Welcome to the T's and C's. Tisa and Chantel. Also known as the Terms and Conditions. Welcome to another episode of the General Election Reflection. Um, Tisa's not here this week, um, so I have managed to bring in the big guns, which is Jason Arday. Hello, Jason Arday. Jessica, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm no big gun, uh, but I, I'm... I'm, fully, I'm a poor substitute for TSO, so thank you so much for having me here. I finally just realised what the PCS building is after 34 years of living in Clapham, so I'm a bit ashamed that that's where we were supposed to meet, by the way. So. Yeah. yeah, so listeners, we are in, we're right by Clapham Junction Station, we're outside of the Public and Commercial Services Union building, which is where you meet if you're doing canvassing or letter stuffing or just general campaigning for the Labour Party. Um, I live in Battersea. Jason, you live round the corner from here, but it's technically a different constituency, isn't it? it technically, well, yeah, it kind of it, fring, it borders on kind of Clapham and Battersea. Literally, where I live borders on Clapham and Battersea, but it's always kind of been considered Clapham. So it's slightly different because obviously Clapham is made up of, and it's kind of between Vauxhall as well. So you've got kind of a hybridity there of like Conservatives, uh, Labour, obviously in mm. terms of Vauxhall. So it's kind of a weird, it's a, it's a weird space because it borders Lambeth and Wandsworth. Mm-hmm. And obviously in Wandsworth you, you do have a lot of Tory seats. And, yeah. and in Lambeth you have more, generally speaking, you have more Labour seats. And it's so interesting you say that because I would say when being at canvassing and talking to people in our area, oh, and just to confirm, both my area, Battersea and Ballam, is a swing seat, so it's very yeah. marginal. Your area is Vauxhall, and Vauxhall, ca- yeah. Vauxhall it's, so it's, it's a, a strong it's a safe seat, safe yeah. seat for Labour, so, which is very interesting as well because they're very close to each other. But yeah, so just on Jason's point there, Wandsworth are our council, so they control a lot of the money within the area, don't they? They do, and it kind of really... It, distra- it's, it really it's, it makes it really hard to campaign for Labour. What makes it really interesting yeah. is, um, and I've only really got a handle on this in the last maybe... F- probably five or six years, there are a lot of um, Tory councillors in Wandsworth. Mm. And when you think of Wandsworth as a borough, and who lives in the borough, it's actually quite remarkable that that's the case, um, because you do have a high populace of BAME individuals, Mm. people from ethnic minority backgrounds, who are Labour voters, Mm. but they have no monopoly in terms of thinking about, they have no monopoly in terms of, you know, the councillors that are kind of... Decision makers, yeah, yeah. That are put into those positions, which is kind of really interesting. And as I said, like, it's really hard to conceptualise or to explain to someone just how broad Wandsworth's focus is mm. um, or it, its scope is in terms of the amount of Tory seats it occupies. I mean, like, they're talking about Putney, for example, that's Wandsworth. They're talking about that potentially, it's a Tory seat, but it being a swing it's seat. Margin, it's marginal, marginal very marginal, um, yeah. So, and once upon a time, you would just not say that about Putney at all. But I guess that's where we're at at the mm, moment. Mm. I think just when you're out and about talking to people, what makes it really difficult is some of people's qualms in the area, and rightfully so, their frustrations, are to do with council decisions which relate to how much central funding councils have got. So in terms of, like, looking at um, council housing, looking at things that are happening like within the local area. So much of it is linked to the, the, the Wandsworth Council and it's so hard to actually, on the doorstep, make that differentiation to people. It is and you know when you look at, I think a big part of this as well in terms of the changing landscape of voters has mm. been um, gentrification. I think that's a huge thing. So if we just take Wandsworth, and we could take Lambeth as well, but Wandsworth is probably, a, it's easier for me to construct the argument thinking about Wandsworth as a borough. Wandsworth as a borough kind of extends through, you know, if I think of just the northern line, 
um, on the tube. We're talking about Ballum, Tooting Beck, Tooting Broadway, uh, Clapham South, Clapham Common, Clapham Common, North, right? Yeah. And we're kind of thinking of all those areas. And one of the things that's kind of really interesting is that the change of gentrification, the types of people that have moved into those areas, which were traditionally Labour strongholds, yeah. has changed massively. So much so that they're now they're now swing they're now swing marginal seats. And I think that's been a huge thing. And it can't be underestimated that by having almost, for want of a better term, I suppose a form of ethnic cleansing but effectively moving out ethnic minorities from an economically deprived background and moving in, in its place, you know, middle class, wealthy people. Um, yeah. I won't put a race binary on it, but I think we can kind of fill in the blanks with that. I think it's safe to say that those, you know, those people monopolise particular types of votes and it does mean that you can change the, the historical focus or political focus um, traditionally of, of an area um, and that has had a big implication in terms of neutralising the black and ethnic minority vote in a big way to the point now where you've got so many campaigns happening at the moment particularly in the, in the, in the kind of music movement um, in urban music movement to try and encourage more young black and ethnic minority voters to vote yeah. to have their voices heard because effectively you know their political voice has really been pushed to the margins mm. and right now it needs to be in the centre yeah, definitely. And also taking it away slightly from the youth focus, like even some of the black people that I've spoken to on doorsteps that are middle-aged or older, they are fed up. And I think it speaks to some of the things that you're talking about, Jason, within the area. Gentrification, ethnic cleansing, being ignored. They don't want to vote anymore. No, they don't. And I think the thing in terms of wanting to vote, uh, in terms of black people not wanting to vote, I think one of the things in terms of being fed up, I think it's visceral examples of kind of seeing how that politics actually transpires in real life. So, you know, if you talk, if you think about the hostile environment, just as an example, you know, that whole situation has done nothing to foster, you know, egalitarianism or fairness or equity or even acknowledge the existence of black people as significant contributors to British society, it's alienated them. Yeah. It's tried to say that basically you don't belong here despite being here for 70 or 80 years. So, um, you know, even if you think about, you know, a, an older generation, mm -hmm. there's that whole idea of looking at our politics at the moment that is completely non-reflective of what people are encountering at the moment. Mm -hmm. You know, we have a government that facilitate and sustain racism in all its insidious and pernicious forms and doesn't even actually isn't even trying to tackle the issue of racism within their own party and I know that there'll be quips around anti-semitism and labor and they they are grave concerns to have but I also think that that narrative has definitely been weaponized yeah in a particular way that has looked to position you know labor as a racist party with regards to that, I do think that um, there are other factors attributed to that that I think the media, a dominant right-wing media, might I add, in this country that supports Conservative government have lent on to present a really negative depiction of the Labour Party mm. in terms of dealing with issues of race. But if we actually look at their history in terms of dealing of, around race equality and as a party operating more aspects around diversity and engaging in that, their history is a lot better than the Lib Dems, and it's a lot better than, and it's and it's miles better than the Conservatives. Yeah, I think it's really difficult, and like, I think 
one of the things I try and have been trying to think about is how things can be better and imagine a future where I don't feel like on edge like as a black person I'm a black middle class person as well yeah. like we are very much both of us yeah. as academics like we're the we're the middle class like if we're feeling like this like and for working class people of colour and black people this is a fuckery and CJR I think you're right I mean um, one of the things that I would say is that positionality is extremely important and you know as you know a privileged middle class black person that is fortunate to do what they do for a living I recognise that it gives you know academics like myself certain spaces where you can occupy and you know discuss particular things but one of the things that I am mindful of is the, the, the people who don't have a voice yes the black people who don't have a voice and I think you know that real push right now to encourage uh, black people, people of colour to vote is so so important because mm. um, you and I are able to access platforms where we can talk in a particular way and advance a particular plight um, but actually that idea of being voiceless is a real palpable thing currently in our society and it's enacting itself in many different ways you know you have a generation of young people who feel like their voices aren't heard and they're enacting this in many different ways um, that move beyond just knife crime and stuff and you know it, it's the idea of situating knife crime as one particular group's problem the actual bigger problem is that you have a group of people who don't feel that their voice is being acknowledged in any way and I think what politics needs to start doing is reflecting those voices um, and how do we do that? We do that by actually listening to what people have to say, we do that by reinvesting in services that, in, that encourage ideas around social mobility, that encourage young people to, um, to aspire and to, and to you know, flourish in an, a, a multicultural society and at the moment we don't have a politics that's doing that. And before Brexit came along, it wasn't doing that anyway. Yeah, so let's exactly. Not, let's not Exceptionalise this um, moment. Yeah. You know, Brexit has stopped us from dealing with domestic mm. um, affairs. It's it's it goes beyond that. The, yeah. the bigger issue is that there's a generation of people for the last ten years since the riots in 2011 mm. who haven't had their voices heard. That generation have become adults, fully fledged adults now, mm. and the same patterns are being reproduced. And the common denominator in all of this is a Tory government that, quite frankly doesn't care about black people and people yeah. of colour. No. And what do you think about what the polls are saying now? Because, I mean, over the past few weeks, when me and Tisa have been trying to... Um, when we've been trying to talk about this stuff, I've tried to, at points, be a bit positive. Tiso's rightly so been very critical about the campaign on both sides of the argument. How do you feel about what the polls are saying and where what could actually happen in the next few weeks i think first and foremost it's important to say that both all three all three mainstream parties have not covered themselves in glory no. um you know between the tories absolute nonsense and misleading of figures to you know the lib dems god awful history in the last 10 years that has put you know a generation of students in ridiculous amounts of debt to the labor party who are quite frankly promising things that genuinely speaking Where's the money going to come from to do those things? I think, you know, between the three of them, it's not been great. But um, in terms of what the polls are saying, as we stand here speaking now, um, there's a leaning to the fact that it seems as though, based on what the polls are saying, that the Conservatives will have enough to gain a majority. And it was always going to be easy to spin that 
purely because Boris Johnson was in a win-win situation and if you look at it from a really analytical lens he will argue that he tries to put Brexit through and at every turn it was knocked back by um, opposition, mm -hmm. the opposition party. So his mantra that he can spin to the nation is that I tried to do it and Corbyn wouldn't let me do it. Mm. Now if you give me the majority I, ha I need I can just get on and do it and we can get on domestic politics. And I would say that um, if you based on that rhetoric alone and what the polls are saying, it looks like it's going to be a Conservative win. What I would say is that you, anybody would be foolish to try and predict modern politics based off what has happened in the last four years mm. between Trump taking, taking um, the presidential seat at the, at the Oval Office to... The Brexit, Brexit happening then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, to all the kind of you know to all the kind of things that have happened in the last four years. I don't think anyone could you know the idea of Joe Swanson saying um, Joe Swainson saying that um, Switzerland sorry <laughs> um, sorry I'm um, saying that um, I believe I'm going to be you know I could become the next prime minister. It's not you know she's right what she said on Question Time last Friday and she got an absolute grilling. But she, she's right. It wasn't it's not a silly thing to say based on what's happened. You know, in the last, you know, all the political analysts have got it wrong mm -hmm. in the last five years. They're paid to do that job. You know, Robert Peston, Laura Koonsberg, the whole lot of them, and they've yeah. all and they've all got it wrong. So, I don't, I don't think I wouldn't want to place any bets on how this may turn out. But if you was going to base it on the current political forecast, then I guess you could say it's not looking, it's not looking great. Um, in that, it looks like it's going to be a conservative win. And that's not, yeah. you know, that's not because I want it to be. No, of course. Um, I obviously want Labour to win. Um, I believe that we will all benefit from having a Labour government. But if we're basing it on the polls right now, then that would be the, the caveat. But, like I said, to judge politics in any kind of finality um, after what's happened over the last four or five years would, would be silly at this stage with two weeks left. I just feel like, and I say this to like, peer groups my partner like everyone's like we can't do it we can't do it i can't engage in us not getting a better result in the next two weeks because engaging in that is terrifying it makes you want to be sick like it makes it's so scary like if the conservatives get a majority like what will our like what will happen like we know it will be so bad for it, everyone it, it will be bad but well, not, maybe not for everyone no <laughs> it, it, it will be bad but all you know conservatives the, the the glory wouldn't be theirs to own right labor would have contributed to that as well and in trying to be as objective as possible labor would have contributed to that you mm. know um there are things that they have done in the last three years that quite frankly haven't helped that it hasn't best positioned them to be able to mount um, the kind of... I do, yeah, I do agree with you. To mount the like, challenge. I think the anti-Semitism thing, it just will not go away. And there probably hasn't been a stronger position on it. Jerry Corb Jeremy Corbyn's lack of position on mm -hmm. Brexit has also put them in a vulnerable situation because he, he, he kind of was sitting on the fence. And mm -hmm. these are all things that are now being weaponised against, used mm -hmm. against him to kind of not put Labour in a position that they should be in. Yeah. Because if they were in that position, Society right now is on its knees, and we would all benefit. Mm. We would all benefit from having a government that um, reinvested would reinvest would reinvest in society and reinvest in people's hopes, dreams, and ambitions. And you know, they they've all contributed in some way, shape, or form to this madness that we're residing in now. 
I totally hear you and I think it's been it's been quite nice but equally disappointing seeing Corbyn kind of kick into gear a little bit in the part during this election like particularly in the last week or so he said some really good things he's done some very good campaigning and like you said over the past three years I wish we'd seen a little bit more of that but how much is that to do with media buyers I think that is definitely a contributor but I do think as you say issues on Brexit issues on racism within the party there could have been a much stronger stance on that because like being able to the way that racism is being talked about in the media is so it's exceptionalizing racism as if we do not live in a very racist country and that in itself is so toxic but we could have taken hold of that narrative and we missed the opportunity and I, and I think that in that regard as much as I like Jeremy Corbyn I think in that regard his leadership could have been stronger and I don't want to say weak but I would say his leadership could have been stronger because a lot of what he has done in his term as, as leader of the Labour Party has been quite reactionary, mm. it's been quite reactive. So for example, this morning, um, they have changed their Labour, they've changed their strategy yeah, what's to that try about? and target, so instead of kind of... Obviously to target the Leave voting areas. To target areas. the Leave voting yeah, areas. Yeah, yeah. And at this stage in two weeks, that's, that's a reactive strategy. Like that is something you should have thought about two, three, you know, Two, yeah. three, four, five weeks ago, you knew that we were going to have a general election. You, you and it's that whole idea of that kind of re reactive politics. You know, because you're you're in a situation right now where the Conservatives are in the driving seat, and they can just keep moving. And they're in the driving seat. They're being supported by the BBC. Like yeah. the lack of scrutiny of Boris Johnson is unbelievable. The only journalist that I see scrutinised Boris Johnson at the moment, I think, is James O'Brien, right. and his scrutiny is imperfect in itself as yeah. well. There is no scrutiny of him as an individual. They set up these BBC interviews without having scheduled Boris Johnson's interview. No. So, like, it's just an absolute madness. And, you know, a lot of the choreographing by BBC, by the way, is absolutely shameful. It's, it's absolutely funny. shameful. Even in terms of the question time election debate last week, the fact that Boris Johnson got to go last. He was I massively... He was, that was, he was massively... He was massively advantaged. He'd watched... Three and Corbyn going go. first as and well. Corbyn going first. I, I didn't think that was right. I felt that as Prime Minister, he should have gone first and everyone should have followed behind. So, you know, what, how the BBC have managed, they will be as culpable if we end up with a Conservative government as well. Look, I think that the BBC, I, I mean, I mean it, maybe don't quote me on this, but I'm, I'm concerned. I've been concerned for them over the past few years, but I'm very concerned about them now. Yeah. About their position, their longevity. Because frankly, we have alternative media now, especially young people. We do, we do have alternative media, and I think the thing that it's a killer is that we all have to pay into it. It's compulsory. <laughs> we 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 pay for the existence of the British Broadcasting Corporation, even if we don't want to. Mm. You know, and so you would think that on that premise alone, they would have a mandate to reflect, you know, um, the gen, you know, to present news or discourse in a way that, you know engages with the general population mm -hmm. the, the multicultural ethnic diverse population but it doesn't it, mm. it lean it's right leaning and it couldn't be any more obvious that it was before we finish jason anything positive to say yeah i'm, I'm an idealist i'm always positive i mean I, I think what i would say is that there's been some great canvassing yeah there has Amazing been some great canvassing and what i would say is that it's always in people's jurisdiction to make the change they want to see so Yes, it'd be great to place your faith in politicians, but actually I think sometimes we forget how powerful we as individuals are. When we behave cohesively rather than individualistically, we can do more together. And a lot of 
movements that are happening on the ground are void of politics, you know, and they're making huge, huge yeah. indents in this inequitable society that we're living in. So I think the positive thing I would say is that we all have the capacity to, to be the change we want to see. Yeah. And I think what's more important is that people need, if they want to to see the change that, that they want, I, I think you have to vote for Labour. Um, and that is not me being objective, that is me being as subjective and as partisan as possible. We have to vote for Labour because another five years of this, and honestly, people's lives are being destroyed at the moment. Um, and dying. Yeah, and, and people are dying, and homelessness has gone up, you know, in, you know, you can talk about unemployment or employment going up or down, but the truth is there are more people in zero hours contracts being exploited, you know, in terms of modern slavery. Mm. You know, we all have our parts playing this, and I think voting for Labour, for me, would be the only way to go and doing that. Just quickly as well, Jason, shout out to our friends, colleagues, staff on the UCU strikes this week. Yes. Anything to say about the picket? Um, so, obviously, um, at Durham, picket's been really, really strong. Um, I've joined a couple of picket lines in London. Um, and it's been just really emotive to hear some of the teach outs, people's journeys, some of the experiences people are encountering right now. And I just think it's so, so important that we recognise that um, there are people really suffering in the sector at the moment yep. who are on precarity, zero hours, you know, casualisation, casualization, you know, domestic stuff who have poor working conditions, no right at all. There are staff that are being absolutely exploited in terms of workloads, and we all need to be together and be a really act in solidarity and be a strong community in terms of mobilizing those people and shedding more light on this horrible plight at the moment academia you've got to change that's it that's, 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 exactly that's it that's, that's the bottom line because people are losing their lives you know people are taking their own lives um, and that's a real thing you know there's there's obviously the example from Cardiff University but there are many more examples that haven't come to light of people taking their own lives you know people being under severe mental strain because of you know the pressures of academia at the moment and I think this strike speaks to those people that are suffering and we all need to do more to recognize that and VCs need to do more to acknowledge that and the sector as a whole so much to all the staff that are out striking like as a PhD student I'm in complete solidarity with you all and I'm so grateful for you taking your time giving up your working time, giving up money giving up just putting yourself on the line on behalf of future generations and students No and I agree and I would like to say thank you to again all the colleagues that continue to do this and all the people that kind of create these opportunities for people like myself to be able to be in a privileged enough position to stand make a stand and an act of solidarity in this way there are people doing amazing work and everybody sees what you're doing it's unbelievable and we're all together in solidarity thanks so much guys we'll be back again next week two weeks to go